success leaves clues, and in the Humans of Imperial podcast, we search for those clues in the stories of our alumni around the world. I'm Chris Roberts, and this week I caught up with Morgan Mixon and Rima Supan. Morgan and Rima are co-founders of next generation nappy brand Peaches, and in this episode, we hear about how they met at Imperial Naturally, their journey as entrepreneurs, and what motivates them in their mission to change the world one poo at a time. Here's what you can hear this week. That's against the backdrop of an industry that's dominated by a few large players with marketing tropes that are so outdated for millennial and Gen Z families that it's kind of shocking. Like this sort of Instagram perfect lifestyle of of blues, pastel blue and pink is just something we don't think resonates with modern families today. Things go wrong. There will always be people that tell you that you're completely crazy. Mm. Uh, and, but yeah, you, I think you got to stay committed to to the journey and to what you're building and, and trust yourself and your co-founder mm. and that you're actually working on something that you that we both totally believe in and that also many other people believe in just because one person tells you you're crazy doesn't doesn't mean you're crazy. Mm. Uh, we always say we kind of cross over in the right spots and then have like divergent thinking in other ways or different skills in in, uh, in other areas, which really kind of makes an amazing, amazing blend. Um, on the other hand, the kind of the learning experience as a founder, I would say that it's really the patience and the persistence and that at some point you learn to trust the process. We always say I'm happiest in a hard hat and high vis best. <laughs> this is my conversation with Morgan Mixon and Rima Sopan. Enjoy. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Why don't we start with some introductions um, from both of you? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Yes, Morgan, would you like to take it away? Uh, you go first. <laughs> okay. Um, we, all, we always talk about this, wh- whoever goes first. Um, so I'll do this this time. Um, hi, very nice to meet you. I'm Rima, one of the co-founders of PG's, um, co-founder of Morgan. Uh, we met at Imperial College, uh, and which we'll dive in later a bit more. Um, but yeah, it has been a roller coaster ride since then. And we, we are still building and, and launching the company very soon. Uh, maybe a b- bit more about my own per- personal background before joining Imperium, before founding the startup. Um, I used to, my career path um, focused on really the consulting, branding and marketing space. So we both come from family business backgrounds and I'm not taking taking away too much from Morgan's um, introduction, but my family business background is in interior design and furniture retail. So always kind of had that entrepreneurial um, side inside of me already. Um, but then I actually immersed myself in different other opportunities um, along my career path from strategy and sustainability consulting at BDO Austria, where I actually initiated the firm's sustainability strategy division um, to my last role at Google, where I worked in a digital marketing space and actually advised high growth sustainability e-commerce startups, um, which comes full circle, of course, now with PGs. Um, and help them to reach their growth ambitions. And and what I noticed that within all of my 
um, my different roles, I've always, they've always brought me back to the same thing, the kind of the desire to, to be an entrepreneur myself. And um, I've always had my entrepreneurial role on in every role and company, um, no matter the size. And so I'm very, very happy that I finally, uh, or that we finally took the step and, and uh, became, uh, became entrepreneurs ourselves. Thanks for that. Uh, Morgan, should we? Gladly. Um, and thank you, Chris, for having us. Very excited to be here. Uh, I've had a really winding career path. So I'm from the US, but I've been now in the UK 10 years. Um, I think I'm proof that skills can connect your career. It's not necessarily the industries you're in. Uh, like Rima mentioned, uh, I also come from a family business background. My family business is on the opposite end of the spectrum. We do water treatment for the oil and gas industry. <laughs> so quite different, um, but really is what initiated my love for honestly operations and being that conduit between engineering and commercialization. Um, I think that's experience that now looking back or reflecting on my career is something that continues to come up. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, we always say I'm happiest in a hard hat and high vis best. <laughs> um, after, yeah, after kind of dabbling in the family business and, and just being immersed in that, of course, went to university. Um, but after uni, I actually lived in Shanghai, worked in real estates. Um, and as much as I loved living in Shanghai, I don't think real estate's really my game. Um, and actually moved to London and did a master's degree at LSE uh, in, in global history and imperialism and globalization. Um, and then went into public relations and actually, again, worked with a lot of energy and infrastructure companies going through sustainable transitions. So really another kind of foray into heavy industry transforming itself. And how do you communicate that to the public? Uh, again, which is something that kind of comes back with, with Peachy's. From there, total career pivot went to diversity and inclusion consulting. Um, so worked with, on one hand, women in entrepreneurship, helping them understand the challenges they face building businesses at the early stage, of course, quite useful now. Uh, and on the other side, working with big tech and digital companies um, to help them better understand their, their work environments and make them more open and inclusive to women and underrepresented groups. That led me to Imperial to do the MBA, uh, actually something I always wanted to do. Um, and Imperial for me was an amazing choice because it's an engineering and you know school, a very technical school that's built a really good business school. And I really liked that combination of innovation and, and business. Um, and Rima and I met and the rest is history. We have quite a serendipitous meeting, which I'm sure we can get into later. Um, but now with Peachy's, yeah, I'm, I'm the operational person, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, and yeah, we're, we're a month from launch basically. So it's been wow. a long time coming, but we're super excited. We're definitely going to talk about all of that. One thing I do want to say straight away is you guys both have really interesting backgrounds and we could fill podcast episodes with just your backgrounds alone. It kind of sounds like between the two of you, you've kind of got everything covered in terms of experience before you even look at kind of what you're doing now. Is that, do you know what I mean? Well, we kind of make it up as we go along. I are fortunate to have quite complementary skills in a lot of ways and uh, we always say we kind of cross over in the right spots and then have like divergent thinking in other ways or different skills in in, uh, in other areas, which really kind of makes an amazing, amazing blend. But I think our superpower, not to generalize for Rima, um, we're very good generalists. And I think generalism is sort of our superpower. So we can dabble in a lot of different things. Unrelated. Um, yeah. Um, undervalued skill generalism as well. It's one of those things where 
underrated is the word I'm looking for, that people think they need to really specialize in something. But actually, being able to be good at lots of things is, is pretty important, probably especially where you are now. I, I agree. And I think it's it's what Morgan said, that we complement each other very well. But I think it's also our attitude just to get our hands dirty along the way. Um, we There have, have been so many things that we had no ideas of and uh, we just dove right in. And, and of course, it's scary sometimes. And you have, you know, I don't know, thinking about legal things that we've already learned uh, along the way where we had no interest but we had to um learn them and then in the end you actually feel quite comfortable in the space and you um yeah you you adapt along the way and learn more skills as you go really interesting as well this is one of the things that i think is useful for students to hear because a lot of people have this ambition to work for big names and big companies and big brands, but actually working for small firms and working for startups or starting your own business, you have to get involved by necessity in so much more than you would do if you had a, you know, a clear career path in a big company, you know exactly what you're going to do. So uh, do you think it's been valuable to, have, we'll talk about your business and we'll talk about um, your time in period in a second, but do you think it's been valuable to have to do all of those different things? What's that experience been like? Reem, I'll let you go first because you have more of the corporate experience. So I can tell it from the more nimble side of like working for. Yeah, long. I mean, I think I mentioned it in my introduction that that no matter the corporate role that I was in, I've always had this desire to build um, something. Um, I remember that uh, at my time at, at a branding um, branding agency that I worked for, they they had an in-house founded coffee brand. And what excited me most was seeing those founders meeting once a week um, to talk strategy. And and um, I could only listen back then, but um, that is what what excited me most. And then then also within BDO, it was this this ambition to understand. Okay, there is a lot of space in the sustainability strategy consultancy or consulting uh, space. And we didn't have an offering back then. And so I, I sat down and yeah, started, started, ma- started mapping it out. Um, and, and I think that is for me, what has always brought me back to, to what I'm doing now, actually. Mm. Yeah. On my end, I think a little bit of personality comes into it as well. You know, um, I think Rima and I naturally like to go against the grain <laughs> to a certain extent. And um, that's, you know, you're much more in, in in charge of your own destiny, let's say, which can be terrifying for a lot of people mm. or not suitable and just not sit with their level of, of risk or where they are in their career at that time or whatever, whatever the reasons could be. But for us or for me, I, I will speak for myself that um, – it suits me. Like I like doing a lot of different things all the time. Um, mm. Two days that are alike, you know, kind of bores me. You know, I, I like, I think that kind of underlying thing about that generalism is a curiosity. It's a curiosity mm. to really try your hand at a lot of different things, work out what you're good at and what you're not good at. You bring in support and you ask for help and you know when to do that. And I think that's, that curiosity is kind of what fuels us and makes us look at every day like, okay, we need a contract around X. How do we do that? Or checking shipping lines to get goods from Canada to the UK like I'm doing now. And yeah, you just kind of have to figure it out. And I think that curiosity for problem solving is kind of something that it is the thread underneath that that desire to be a generalist or to build it yourself. Mm-hmm. Really interesting that both of your backgrounds includes family businesses as well. I didn't know that. Would you say that would you say that entrepreneurship sort of runs in your genes? For me, it does. Um, 
Sunday uh, brunch has always felt like a board meeting. Mm-hmm. So I think you 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 have it ingrained in your DNA, but I think it's not a necessity uh, mm-hmm. to have that. I think, as Morgan said, if you have the curiosity and the willingness to learn and immerse yourself in the un- and deal with uncertainty and a lot of risk as well, um, but at the same time having yeah using opportunities as they come up um i think that is enough uh, you don't it's not an it, as i said it's not a necessity um but if it if it happens um to to yeah to be in your family then i think it's only an opportunity or it's only a benefit yeah why don't we start um with your time in imperial i know we've gone off track a little bit um can you tell us when you studied first of all uh, i'm really interested to know because i know you both came from different programs too what you studied and why you you decided to come to imperial um and you know study what you did i'll kick us off um so we were the COVID class 2020 to 2021 um so that was interesting <laughs> for for us. Um, I studied the MBA. Um, I, I think I mentioned in the beginning. I always wanted to do an MBA. I think I was very influenced by my parents, uh, like like Rima, uh, growing up in a family business. Yeah, I agree. It's not necessarily a requirement for being an entrepreneur, but it's helpful to just have that template for what it looks like. And both my parents had done MBAs, so um, that was something I saw to be beneficial. Um, and because in undergrad, I wanted to do politics and I had a very different idea from my career path at that time. So grounding it back in business, the MBA was was really helpful. Um, I would say my motivation for doing the MBA turned out to be really different from the results. <laughs> so mm, um, the I think if you had come in, if you had asked me at the beginning, I would have said, I want to be a product manager at a tech company and I want it to be like a scale up or bigger. And that's the skill set I want to I want to kind of procure while I'm here. Um, you know, I think if I'm honest, the kind of soft skills side of things I'm a little bit better at. So the MBA will help me with finance and accounting and some of those kind of hard business skills. Let's say um, I always though kept a little window in my mind for the entrepreneurial journey because I knew I was going to Imperial, and that's one of the most innovative universities on the planet. Um, so about halfway through, my whole mindset changed. And I told my career coach, I've looked at a thousand jobs and it's March and nothing excites me more than what Rima is doing. She's like, I think you have your answer then. So, um, you know, I think what I originally conceived was would be my MBA experience turned out to be quite different. And actually what I gained from it was much more the human relationships, the community around us, mm-hmm. Um yeah, using actually my strengths that I came in with, but supercharging them as opposed to focusing so much on what, what my weaknesses were. Mm. Uh, and that's what was really the step change for me about halfway through. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think you'll have a lot of people relating to that, to be honest. Obviously, we hope students are going to be listening to this podcast and there'll be MBA students too, who are going through the same journey of realization that they had a plan and they knew what they expected, but actually what they're getting from it is possibly far different. And, you know, I would argue more valuable than they could have expected. Rima, how about you? Definitely. Um, From my side, it's a bit different. I I never intended, I mean, I intended to do a master's degree. I never intended to do an IEM. So I did a master's in innovation, entrepreneurship and management. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even know that that existed, I think, uh, in the meantime, three, four years ago. Um, I'm also the first one in my family to study, um, which doesn't say a lot, but... um, 
I, I didn't have that predefined um, kind of st- path of studying. Um, and I actually, I remember I searched for a very long time to find the right master's de- degree. And I always looked at kind of a master's in management was always my fallback option. Hmm. But somehow I felt like studying business in undergrad already, that would just be a continuation of what I've done so far and, and not, not not really specializing in, in, in any way. And so I, what I did back then was actually uh, talking to a lot of different people and a lot of different kind of a career advisors or people that I've met um, along my career path and and asking them what they think what they think who I am and what what they think suits me most. And one of them actually pointed out um, this what I've what I've mentioned at the beginning that in every single role I've always been excited more by the act of building something than actually the the industry that the company was in or um, yeah the the area that I worked in if it was marketing or finance I can I can adapt but um, same with the the industry if it was an agency or a consultancy um, it didn't really matter it was always kind of this. Um, this red thread that came through um, that I loved having a vision and creating something from scratch rather than um, being in a particular industry. Um, and so this IEM program, once I found it, um, sounded like like an interesting way to an interesting program and then which could, which could open many different doors to me. Hmm. Did either of you think you were going to start a business when you came to Imperial? <laughs> I have a funny story for that one. Yeah, you should tell it actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I remember, and I actually found this uh, two years ago again because I for- totally forgot about it. I'm not the person I have to say upfront that uh, this 4 a.m. Uh, pers- morning person that gets up every day and journals. I'm definitely not, even though I wish I could. I'm just not a morning person. I don't think those people are real, to be honest. <laughs> they are real. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I have occasions in my life where I write, um, where I just put down thoughts on paper. Um, mostly it's kind of milestone, milestones or new new chapters that are happening where I write down my thoughts and my dreams and, and, and potential outcomes. More also like a memory for myself um, to look back uh, to. And so I remember that actually on this flight from when I moved to, from Vienna to London, um, I journaled on the on the flight, and it felt like honestly a, a ten hour flight back then. Even though it was, it's only two and a half hours to go to London, uh, but it was it felt like quite a big milestone for me to to move abroad and and start a degree program where I had no where I knew no one and and yeah didn't even know what what the outcome of the program would be. Um, and so I, I remember that I wrote down personal and professional things. And the funny thing was that I literally wrote down, I, by the end of the year, I want to have founded or I want to be an entrepreneur, have founded a business, a co-founder and engaged in the community um, of the business school uh, in like being part of a, of a, of a business school club. Um, and so little did I know that the, all of these things would have become reality or like became reality quite, quite quickly. Mm, yeah, it sounds like you planned it out perfectly, to be honest. It's, it's gone pretty well. <laughs> Manifestation. It's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about Peaches. Uh, first of all, can I get, uh, Morgan, I'll come to you. Can I get you to tell us what Peaches is? Uh, so that's number one. And number two, why nappies? 
It's an excellent question. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a chat. The, uh, I'll take a hack at the first one first. So Peachy's is the next generation nappy company. We support families across the first 1,000 days with their little ones. So that's from the earliest days of pregnancy to uh, about potty training, which is around two years, roughly. Depends on the child. Um, we also do a subscription service. So we deliver nappies to a family's door on a monthly basis in the size they need and the amount they need uh, so that they never run out. Uh, and we actually, you know, as a business, really celebrate the joys, the heartache, and all the love that surrounds parenting. Um, and so we actually also have a partnership with Save the Children, uh, which is a big part of our purpose as a business to give back to the community in which we operate. Um, and yeah, we are, as we said, a couple of weeks away from launch. We'll be we will be selling our nappies in June uh, from our website, and we are could not be more excited let's put it that way so for um, listeners um who are interested that's june 2023 so the chances are as you're listening they're available now exactly so tell everyone you know friends <laughs> family whatever we we want to we'll, we will shamelessly plug and push our nappies at the point <laughs> um but yeah we're super excited um the kind of thing that drives us or where we saw the opportunity uh, was really grounded in the fact that the product quality in this space is really poor. Um, nappies are really commoditized. It's a kind of race to the bottom in many ways because it's such, it is a huge cost outlay for families. So looking for cost-effective solutions inherently means in a lot of ways, and particularly in the nappy space that you're, you're sacrificing on, on quality. Um, that's against the backdrop of an industry that's dominated by a few large players with marketing tropes that are so outdated for millennial and Gen Z families that it's kind of shocking. Like mm -hmm. this sort of Instagram perfect lifestyle of, of blues, pastel blue and pink is just something we don't think resonates with modern families today. Um, and then you have a very bricks and mortar service model. You know, we we saw during the pandemic how much we order to our homes. A bulky essential good that you need, like nappies, is a really uh, it's a slam dunk for for a subscription model. You know, because we say, pardon the language, you need a shit ton of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> babies go through in their first month around two hundred nappies. You know, it goes down from there, but still, like you're looking at a lot of products. So. Uh, we, as the business school students we are, saw that opportunity, saw the people we were uh, that are around us, our friends and family that are having children or, or becoming parents for the first time. And, you know, we felt like we could meaningfully interject into this community and to actually build something designed for the people that we love and help where we can to make their lives as early parents, young parents, a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. so Peaches was born. That's really, to be fair, I mean, I'm, I've got a little one myself and I felt the whole nappy thing, you have no idea anything about this, about it until you're in it and you have no choice and you have to use them. It's just one of those subscription service. It sounds like such a good idea because it comes to you. There's nothing worse than finding yourself short and going to the supermarket and just, it's, it's difficult to kind of, you see a wall of the same, the same brands and you don't know what doing. They're so expensive as well. It's a crazy one, but I mean, your mission statement, um, which I know you say is to change the world one poo at a time. So can you tell us more about that mission um, and what it is that kind of motivates you? I think you touched on it a little bit, but can we explore that a little bit more? Yeah, I'm happy to take that one. Um, I think for us, it's really 
celebrating parenthood um, with all its love, the hardship, the joy, the chaos, the beauty, whatever it is um, that comes with it, um, to giving giving parents a voice. And and um, we've for us, it, it was really important that we're passionate about about a topic that we're doing and i think um what we what we've learned um so far was that it's not only about product market fit but it's also about founder product fit um and i think um in a way morgan and i are the perfect combination and the perfect um yeah duo to bring something like this to market to um of course to uh, to tell customers why it's the right choice for them, but also to to tell investors why it's the right choice for them, um, mm-hmm. and convince our, um, our manufacturing partner that it was the right choice to work with us. Um, and for us, it, it was always this combination out of we're passionate passionate about making a difference in in parents' lives um, mm-hmm. while making a positive impact not only on the planet but also on the people. Um, and that's why, of course, we. We have our eco-credentials and we're always making smart decisions on, on the sustainability front. But we will all, for us, it is just as important to support um, the families that are in our community. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's 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 important to, uh, that's why we say one pool at a time uh, to bring also some humor into this <laughs> because otherwise it wouldn't be just, it wouldn't be as funny as it is. I like that you do. I like, I like the, the content you use. Can we talk about the sustainability side that I think you just mentioned there as well? It's, um, I read a stat that I think one of you might have posted on LinkedIn about switching to peaches. Um, so I'm going to plug you a little bit here. Um, saves 93 tons of CO2 emissions a year. And that's the equivalent of driving a car 12 times around the world for every 1,000 babies. That's unbelievable. It's it's a labor of love, but we know, you know, we know millennial families want to buy from the brands that they resonate with, right? Mm. So sharing, we share that value for protecting people and planet. So we knew from day one that this was something that would be part of Peachy's. And mm. we're in the unique, we have the unique opportunity since we're building a business from the ground up to ingrain sustainability as a mindset into our business yeah from the get-go and that goes from product design to the suppliers we choose to the way that we operate as a team um mm-hmm. and so sustainability is sort of just part of what we do mm-hmm. um yeah the the environmental statistics around around nappies is shocking it's the third largest household waste in the UK nappies end up in landfill at this point for the for the most parts and they sit there for 500 years because of the plastic contents that's crazy. But also we recognize that disposable nappies, on the other hand, are a necessity for families and that convenience is a necessity for families. And we actually figured out early on because we had a very different product design in the beginning when we started out at the Venture Catalyst Challenge at Imperial uh, Enterprise Lab in what, January 2021, Rima? Um, We had a hybrid design. We had something very different, but we realized talking to families over and over again that that reusable model is going to remain a niche. So we, because of the behavioral change that it requires. So we had to make a critical decision. And what we decided was we wanted to come up with a solution that the masses could adopt, not the other way around or push, uh, you know, push a model on, in, in, into a niche. So we looked at manufacturing, we looked at delivery um, and with our approach, which we call a very 
practical or no bullshit design uh, that is eco-conscious, meaning for customers, we are very straightforward about where we still use plastics to give a nappy that's going to make it through the nights uh, and where we've made eco-conscious substitutions on materials. Um, mm. We believe that if we can give you a really great product and you don't use as many nappies in a day because they're not tearing or falling apart or leaking all over clothes, we're actually doing something good because you're reducing the overall amount that even has to go to a landfill in the first place. We're also very encouraging about things like potty training. So we always say peaches is designed to be deleted like tender. <laughs> you know, uh, if we can help you through those milestones faster, then again, we're reducing that overall uh, amount that goes to landfill. Mm. But to give you a sense of where we get that 12 times around the world, it's the product, it, sorry, it's the material selection to date. So mm. for example, where we still use plastics, we use, to, we use more efficient materials. So in the absorbent core, for example, we use 20% less than other brands. Um, where we use natural fibers, we uh, source them from 100% sustainably managed forests, for example, and we also don't use any chlorine or harmful chemical processing, which has uh, a big impact on uh, carbon equivalent emissions. Mm. Um, so yeah, the European Union validated that climate kick, the uh, Climate Innovation Organization, um, they're the ones that gave us those figures based on what we provided them in terms of material selection and manufacturing process. Um, and yeah, you know, our, our goal is to give people peace of mind that they're getting a great product. And we are doing what we can today in terms of materials technology to give a nappy that's still going to work. Because if it doesn't work, parents don't give a shit how green it is. Mm. That's the truth. It's, it's really nice to hear about it too. Because I mean, as I say, uh, I've got a little one. And when, when we were deciding what kind of nappies to use, it did seem like disposable was the kind of easiest and the main way of doing it. You know, or you can choose these fabric reusable ones. But that felt like quite a commitment to to use that it isn't easy and it isn't it's it's messy let's say so it's it's yeah it's nice to hear about someone that's trying to tackle that problem you mentioned yeah, and I can leave you in on a, on a little secret I mean uh, washable nappies also um, can be can be more eco friendly but of mm -hmm. course um, it really depends on the electricity and the water usage um, mm -hmm. and so. Yeah, I think every every single family needs to take the decision that is right for them. And we, if disposable is your route, I think we're we're your we're the right partner for you. Anybody, you know, I respect anybody that you, that uses washable nappies. You know, fair play. I couldn't do it. It was something I just I couldn't bring myself to do, even for all the best intentions of wanting to, you know, cut emissions and all that kind of thing. It, it, yeah, it it felt like a step that I couldn't take for obvious messy reasons that are a bit too squeamish to admit. Uh, you mentioned the imperial sort of ecosystem, really. Um, personally, I don't know a huge amount about that. Could you talk us through uh, what that ecosystem is and how it's helped you to get to where you are now? Yeah, I'll take that one. So from my perspective, imperial has an incredibly great entrepreneurial ecosystem, um, both inside the programs, but also outside and within the community. Um, so I can only talk about our journey um, and mention some other things that, that I've come across on, during the program. But for us, it was really, for us, the first step, we, we decided to convince the program team to join forces um, because we both had um, entrepreneurial modules in, in our uh, program. Mm -hmm. And so we actually said, why? why should we work on something else when we're actually planning to uh, build a business together? And so we, with our entrepreneurial hats on, we, we went to the program team and uh, told them about our great idea. And they actually agreed to that, which we're extremely grateful for um, because it was the right, it was 
yeah, it was the place that that helped us kickstart the business. Um, mm-hmm. That was on the one hand. And then I remember, Morgan, can you, uh, that we actually applied for the first program before Venture Catalyst Challenge and they that they actually rejected us. <laughs> Very true, actually. Yeah, we applied for uh, We Innovate. We didn't. Yeah, get- exactly. Exactly. Um, and so we got rejected by that one. But we. Part of the uh, process. That you've got to go through. Yeah, this. exactly. We're yeah, still yeah. in now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that was the first kind of failure or the, the first yeah um <laughs> the first tiny stone in our way um but we 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 still applied for the venture catalyst challenge and some, somehow got in even though i think we only formed the team like a week before um the application deadline um but that on, honestly in combination with the program um that we were in was the perfect breeding ground for testing our assumptions, talking to customers, talking to or to to users, um, and understanding really what the needs of families are, and and then with our team of I think five people we were back then, um, we really laid the groundwork for for Peaches, which formerly of course was cleanest, um, and and then I think we had this this other uh, pitch competition that we won, right, um, which was also um, an incredible opportunity for us because of course we didn't have any funding back then and imperial actually gave us our first grant funding um which was a um um, impact award uh from the gandhi center for inclusive innovation from what i remember so in general for for us imperial has been an incredible ecosystem to to Mm -hmm. found a business and i think from what I, I mean, I'll give this away already. Um, Morgan and I were were um, were running the Innovation Entrepreneurship Club together as as president and vice president, and we always had one of our main goals back then was always to kind of break the barrier between the business school and and Imperial College. Because I mean, Imperial College, as we know, is is uh, famous for its innovation in in, in medical science, in, in in medicine, in technology, um, in science, etc. And so there are so many great ideas laying around, um, and and so many great yeah people and so much great talent um, in the in the college. We actually really wanted to break this barrier between the business school and. And the college, uh, because if you can bring business school students with ambitions and and yeah, a lot of business um, knowledge together with the right technical partner, um, I think it's the perfect match, and that's why why we personally love Imperial for what it is. Mm, that's I'll really a special uh, special shout out to the Enterprise Lab. So they yeah. were first the academic advisors for the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Club. And I only found out recently that they are the ones responsible for matching Rima and I. Um, so, Ben, thank you. <laughs> um, we are eternally grateful to the Enterprise Lab. Um, and I think to Rima's point, they are a huge meeting point for people that are interested in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, they do, we accelerate and we innovate. We actually participated in We Innovate, which is the second program focused on women in entrepreneurship. Um, we accelerate. We accelerate. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? Innovate? Right. Yeah. We, <laughs> we accelerate. Thank you, Rima. Uh, we've done, we accelerate the Venture Catalyst Challenge, which is that flagship uh, entrepreneurship competition every year. 
Um, Gandhi Center for Inclusive Innovation, that's separate, but the Enterprise Lab also took Rima to San Francisco. I mean, like there has been so many opportunities uh, to get involved and to meet people across the university. Um, and we still, we are still involved. You know, we're what more than a year out of graduating and um, we keep in touch because they have been mm -hmm. so helpful. Um, and yeah, I mean, Crack. Thank you. Thank you to the Enterprise Lab. <laughs> Shout out to them. Get involved if that's the kind of space you want to be in. Hmm. That's really interesting. I was going to ask if you cut that rope by now or whether you were still connected, but it sounds like you're still connected with the ecosystem. 100%. 100%. Yes. Like, it's really interesting. Scratch the back that helps you. You know, I mean, <laughs> so much for us. Um, two grants from Imperial. Uh, so the, the Impact Award and then the, um, the We Accelerate <laughs> funding. Um, you know, they've connected us to helpful advisors who have then maybe connected us to somebody else that gave us investments. I mean, it's it's a it's a community we certainly stay close to, no matter how far we get from graduation. Hmm. Rima, I'll come back to you for this next one. Um, obviously, you're, you're you're almost at launch, which is great. Um, what have been some of the challenges when it comes to starting a business? I'm really interested as well in the way you've, you're trying to break into a like super competitive market as well. Uh, what would you say the challenges have been from, from your point of view? Mm. Um, I think I would divide this question into two parts. On the one hand, uh, it's the industry that we're breaking into. As you mentioned, it's quite a quite a stale, uh, big industry with, with, with only two big players, actually. Um, and then on the other hand, it's, of course, the challenges that you face as a founder and, and yeah, the personal growth that you go through. So for the first part, um, I had my moment when uh, when we when I went to Geneva, I think it was a year and a half ago, uh, to go to one of the biggest trade fairs for non-woven products. Uh, yeah, these these things exist, and luckily I was one. It was me and around thirty thousand other men. Um, not judging, uh, but it was quite a quite a moment for for us because we thought that it was actually a quite diverse industry, knowing that you're dealing with families and families come in all different shapes and forms but actually when you break into the space you quite quite quickly see that it's actually a male dominated industry mm -hmm. uh, and and I remember that I approached a couple of kind of industry leaders and and uh, especially on the, on the manufacturing side explaining our value proposition and our business model and and they were quite senior people and and I hope to to be understood by them but the, the responses that I or one response that I got which really made me laugh uh, back then was what do you think would ever buy nappies online and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have to laugh now, but mm. it was certainly shocking back then. And I think I, I, I remember I told Morgan about it and she only she she told she said to me, well, I guess this is the right space to be in then. And mm. I, I guess we're on the right track then. Um, so that was on the on the one side. Um, I think it's what we see in the industry is, is that customers actually immediately understand the proposition and who we are as business. Uh, and that there is a need for better products and better services in the industry. But from an industry side perspective, it's it's hard to convince sometimes. Um, on the other hand, the kind of the learning experience as a founder, I would say that it's really the patience and the persistence. And that at some point you learn to trust the process, mm. even though it's still very hard sometimes. But um 
things most of the time take longer than than you think they 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 need uh, things go wrong there will always be people that tell you that you're completely crazy mm. uh and but yeah you, i think you gotta stay committed to to the journey and to what you're building and and trust yourself and your co-founder mm-hmm. and that you're actually working on something that you that we both totally believe in and that also many other people believe in just because one person tells you you're crazy it doesn't doesn't mean you're crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's a really really funny story i can't help but think of you know the blockbuster video guys saying no one's ever going to watch a movie on the internet like, that kind of thing <laughs> who's going to book a taxi on a phone app that's not going to work like, <laughs> in a couple of years time we'll be talking about this in exactly the same way as that Totally. She called me and I was like, great, keep thinking. That's awesome. Like, best news of the week is that you think that. I did see one one kind of problem, let's say, that came up uh, that I think is really interesting and interesting for potentially students who want to start their business to kind of plan these things. You had a bit of an issue with your Instagram. Yes. That's right. Do you mind, do you mind talking about that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um <laughs> the tinier tinier things that <laughs> these um, things happen though these are kind of these oh, kind yeah. of things you know, they can have we always about. say founding a business is like parenting things always go sideways no matter how how well we plan for them mm-hmm. um yeah our instagram uh yeah fuck up <laughs> sorry for, <laughs> for the language but uh well we we built an int- instagram uh following for around two years of i don't know a couple of thousand people and then went through a big uh, branding project together with an incredible London-based design agency. And of course, we gave them the creative freedom to also change our name, which we knew that we wanted to change anyways. Um, and within the this project, uh, they, of course, also changed our Instagram handle. And turns out it's very hard to, um, to bring one following base over to another because you can't really change uh, the name uh, or you it's a big risk that you that you step into and mm. uh, Morgan can talk more about this but we printed the Instagram handle on around what 15,000 bags and boxes and so on and it would have been a nightmare yeah. to not go for this mm. and so we let go of the couple of thousands of followers um, but we're convinced or yeah we believe we're mm. We think we can build it up quite quite quickly again, but it's just the things that come up that you got to deal with. Mm. It's a nice practical insight for anybody who's thinking about starting a business. To be honest, thanks for sharing that. I do appreciate it. <laughs> uh, last question on this, and, uh, and I'm gonna. It's I know it's an impossible question, so apologies in advance. What does a typical day in the life look like? I can start. Um, <laughs> so, Reem and I actually have built PTs remotely. So I'm based in London. She's based in Vienna. Um, and you know, no two days are alike. That's what we love. Um, we have figured out over the last 18 months, two years, uh, really kind of the power of how to divide and conquer and then where we're strongest together. Um, so that's kind of how we operate. You know, I do look at the more kind of business, the, sorry, operational side of the business. So, from you know products and manufacturing to the supply chain and logistics and then i kind of handed over to rima on the commercialization and sort of marketing side of it um and so i spend a lot of time working with our manufacturer very closely um working with our freight forwarder uh you know i have discovered a passion for uh figuring out how containers move around the world <laughs> and figuring out what that looks like 
Um, so I do a lot of that kind of nitty gritty sort of more engineering ish side of the business, even though I'm in no way an engineer in my own, in my own rights. Um, but Rima and I always come back together. You know, we like to, we, we, I mean, we talk pretty much all day long, seven days a week, almost like if we go a day or two without talking, we're like, are you okay? Is everything fine? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we kind of, we've really figured out, you know, if I'm doing on the operational thing, I'll kind of lead on that. And then of course, keep Rima and our, and our uh, teammate, a team member in the loop, um, and then things like raising money or, um, things like this, like a podcast or other marketing efforts, um, or community building where we where we're talking to families and, and really understanding their wants, needs, and how peaches can, can make a meaningful change in their life. Those are things we do together. Mm. No two days are alike though. And <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> Rima, is yours a similar sort of, sort of day or is there anything different in there? Yes, um, I think, as Morgan mentioned, we, we complement each other very well yeah. when it comes to those things. Of course, as she mentioned, I'm more focused on, on kind of the front end of the business or so everything that is connected to our customers around social media, email marketing, digital marketing, organic, paid, community building, um, and much more. And, and I always love, uh, even though I'm based in Vienna, I come to London once in a while a couple of weeks um, and we we sit down together and do um, all the fun things that um, such a business brings like strategizing but also accounting things <laughs> um, so I, I would say it's quite similar for me I've, I've recently um, started working in from a co-working space um, which is maybe a, a more, more personal insight in London we have a we had the pleasure of being in the Amazon office uh, for a year now and we're now moving to our new office space as well um, where Morgan and our, our first employee sit um, and I, I also decided to that it's better for me <laughs> and for the business to be in a, in a co-working space um, because uh, I think working from home can be good. Um, and, and I, of course, loved it during COVID and I'm very productive at, at home. At the same time, I think mm. you just feel so much more energetic and so much more inspired if you're around people and especially mm. in a co-working space around other entrepreneurs and see them hustle day in, day out. Mm. Uh, and that's why I love it. Um, and, and of course, I also love coming to London, the big city. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, and we're, we're, we're pushing for time. So, but I do have one other thing that I want to talk to you about before we close. Um, can you talk, and you touched on this already, can you talk on how you guys met? Yes, gladly. Um, I'll start it because it was quite, a, it's, it's hilarious, actually. It's um, a fun story. <laughs> it is a fun story because it's serendipity. Uh, so, Actually, before we were we were randomly matched to run the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Club together, um, we actually met outside the business school. And I was standing there in with person. a person <laughs> in person. Yeah. So like this is the very beginning of term before or like kind of the one of the few instances as the COVID class we could even go on campus. I think it was like our kind of orientation day for all the different programs. Um, and I was standing outside the business school with a fellow MBA students and Rima marched up to us and said to my friend, Hey, I like your dress. <laughs> and, and then we started talking about like, Oh, it's from Zara. And like, you know, cause my friend had one in blue and I actually turned out I had one in green. And so that's what we started talking about. And then we figured out we were actually in different programs. So it was like, Okay, bye. We'll end up talking to our own uh, degree program, respective degree program people. Um, and then when we got paired, 
we were like messaging on WhatsApp, like, oh, we should have a call before the club starts. And then we kind of put it together like, oh, we've met before. I can't believe it. Um, so we did actually have an opportunity to meet before spending six months not seeing each other ever again. Um, and we worked with the club and the early days of Cleanest Now Peaches totally remotely without ever seeing each other in person again. So um yeah, it was kind of funny. I love that. I like your dress. <laughs> I didn't know about that. And I absolutely love that because it's another underrated part about going to university, going to business school that I don't think people realize. The network you've got access to is unbelievable. And it's it's sort of the most concentrated ecosystem you're going to have probably in your entire life for an entire year. And people don't take advantage of it as much as they could. So it's really cool. So I think the message from what you just said there is talk to people randomly talk to people and compliment them on their dress and you never know where you're going to end up going from there because I, I really like that <laughs> one other thing i'll say is i actually give rima all the credit for for pushing peaches forward um because i remember coming you know i was in georgia at the time for the holidays and we were we were chatting about something i said because i had the entrepreneurial uh journey module coming up and i remember saying to her like oh, I've, got kind of an interesting idea about this, you know, have you ever thought about nappies, X, Y, and Z about the industry? And she goes, let's do it. And I can remember thinking like, I don't remember inviting you, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest is history. And she really pushed us forward. And she was the one that was like, this is something worth pursuing where I would have let it probably languish. I was like, oh, I'll just work on it in the entrepreneurial module. And that will be kind of what I do with it. And she was, she was the one that really thought it had legs and, and pushed us to go for BCC and other things. So uh, a good example of like how that co-founder can be such a good sounding board and like push you when you want to just be comfortable and said, say, no, we've got to step out of our comfort zone. So credit to you, Rima, for that. Totally you. Thanks. Is it rest of the book, I, I didn't know that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking like, I, uh, I don't remember sharing this with you to invite you, but okay. <laughs> you guys like, are a whatever. really good ad for that club. It's just, just for listeners, it's the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Club, the Careers Club at the Business School. Uh, one of you was the president. One of you was the vice president. You could tell me which way around that was. Um, but then you've gone on to start your own business, which is exactly the kind of thing the club is for. So I, I don't know. I just think you're a really good ad for that, for joining that club if anyone's interested in starting a business. Absolutely. And I actually think the president and vice president the year before us also started a business together. That's really interesting. I'll keep an eye on them from now on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so really kind of final question, to be honest, uh, what advice would you have for current students sitting in the classroom, whether that's advice about what they should be focusing on during the year at Imperial, whether it's about starting a business um, and things like that, what kind of thing would you say to them? What would you say to yourself if you could go back in time? Morgan, let's start with you. Uh, if I could go back in time, uh, well, first and foremost, go for it, right? That's what I learned from Rima right off the bat. You've got to go for it. Um, I think the tendency is to worry that somebody's going to steal your idea, but there's absolutely no guarantee that anybody can execute it on it execute on that idea better than you. And the mm-hmm. earlier you can start talking to people and get feedback on it, the better. Um, the second one I would say is find a co-founder. I have a lot of respect for people that build businesses by themselves. Uh, I wouldn't be doing it today if I didn't have Rima. Um, you know, I you, you have to decide whether you want to share this with somebody, share the journey with somebody. Um, it is fundamental that you find somebody you can trust and really lean on. But uh, like I said, there's absolutely no way I would do it without her. 
Um, so I think if you can find a co-founder and if you're willing to kind of open yourself and that idea up to somebody else or, you know, find somebody that's complimentary to you, then I think it's a huge advantage. You also move a lot quicker in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Rima, how about you? For me, it's also connected to the network. For me, it was it has always been to open up my own network in order for other to open up theirs. Um, and you can... Most of the time, there's a common connection, either a person or a topic that both are excited about. And kind of finding this one common ground that connects you um, or saying, ah, I, I think you should meet X, Y, and Z um, mm-hmm. and, and actually connecting them. I think um, there is no there is nothing, no benefit from hiding anything. And as Morgan said, talking openly about your idea, about what you're interested in, um, also kind of getting, yeah, starting to, to build, build your personality in a way that People remember you. I remember that we that we had a um, a class at some point where they taught us uh, about personal branding and kind of what your LinkedIn should look like, etc. Back then, I had no idea what what they were talking about, but it was really about okay. If someone is interested in I don't know bees and honey, it's definitely a thing that you would remember. Um, mm-hmm. You would be maybe you wouldn't even remember the name, but it would, but but you would remember that this person was extremely excited about bees and honey, just as an example. Um, and so, kind of finding this one edge or this one differentiator that differentiates you from the rest, I think, is mm-hmm. really important. And also, final thought to open up yourself. And I think both Morgan and I we weren't that open at the beginning um, because I was. I was convinced to go back to consulting um, and Morgan was convinced to become a product manager and to kind of open up your, your yeah, senses a bit for, for other things, for other industries, for other degree mm-hmm. programs, for other students, for other backgrounds, uh, because you can always learn something that you didn't know before. Thanks for that. Uh, final question, where can we buy peaches nappies? On our website. <laughs> 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 and what's we your are website we are peaches.com perfect thanks for that and thank you so much for this conversation i've really enjoyed it thank, thank you so much and for anybody that does go to the website you can get a referral code for 15 pounds off for you and your friends that you share it for there you go thank <laughs> you so much chris thanks again guys first of all i want to say a huge thank you to morgan and rima for joining me on the podcast There are a lot of takeaways from that conversation, but one thing that I think stands out is that they clearly have a lot of fun together. I love to hear people's stories, and it was really interesting to hear that Morgan and Rima both had experience of growing up in family businesses. I love an origin story too, and it was great to hear how they got started with their business, Peaches. It was fascinating to hear about what they called the imperial ecosystem, and how they've stayed connected to it even now. I'm sure there was plenty in there that anyone who's thinking about starting their own business can take away from it. Those underrated skills need another mention too. First of all, there's a lot of hype around being a specialist in one subject area, but being a generalist is so valuable, especially when you start a business and you need to be involved in absolutely everything. Networking is something you'll hear me talk about a lot, and I loved Rima's advice at the end there. I really can't emphasize enough how much of an opportunity it is to be surrounded by incredible people for a whole year when you go to study for a master's or an MBA, so if you take nothing else away from this episode, please make sure you make the most of it. Thanks again to Morgan and Rima for sharing their story, and if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and share. Thanks for listening, 
I've been Chris Roberts, and I'll see you next time.